All right, hello everyone. Welcome to Better For You, the podcast where we look at Better For You brands and their legacy competitors and ask the question, are these new brands actually better for you? Uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to talk about the plant-based burgers beyond meat and impossible foods beyond burger and compare them to regular beef and see which one is better for you. Uh, to do that, we'll have a special guest uh, and my usual co-host, Ashton. Uh, so why don't we start with some brief intros. Adam, uh, who are you? Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Adam Yee. I'm a, a food scientist. Um, I guess if you if there's only food scientists listening to the podcast, you might know me. But if you're not, then you probably don't know me. Uh, I do a podcast called My Food Job Rocks. has over 125 episodes, um, ranging from a lot of plant-based meat companies, but also authors and, and CEOs of really, really cool companies in the food industry. And you can check that out at myfoodjobrocks.com. Um, I built a company called Better Meat Co. that raised uh, you know, a few million. And now I work as a, as a food scientist at a company called Motif Foodworks in Boston. So I'm Ashton Yoon. I'm co-founder and CEO of Antithesis Foods. I'm originally from California and I moved to New York for grad school. I got my good degree in food science and technology with a focus in food engineering from Cornell, and I specialize in food processing, product development, and textual evaluation of foods. All right, wonderful. Uh, my name's Jason Goodman. I, uh, I help run Antithesis with Ashton. Uh, I worked, I got my undergrad at Penn State in microbiology and biochem, and then I worked in some pharmaceutical and startups in Philly, and then I went back to sort of Cornell to get my uh, PhD, which I am now writing the thesis for, uh, and then co-founded uh, Antithesis with Ashton um, a bit ago, and we, yeah, we worked to commercialize crunchy things, our flagship brand is Corbanzos, and uh, we love learning about better for you versions of lots of things. We're trying to make better for you versions of crunchy foods, uh, and today we're going to talk about better for, definitely better for the climate but better for you we'll find out versions of meats <laughs> so why don't we start uh with a little history uh the impossible foods burger adam do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so i think everyone knows impossible foods they made great headwinds but it was founded in uh 2011 um it was made by a, a biochemistry professor patrick brown um he took a little sabbatical and then he found out that was the best way to eliminate animal farming and throughout all this work through lots of pivots zigs and zags um very interesting uh how their technology has developed actually uh they created a very very impressive meat analog and have kept on improving it ever since so now it's probably one of the more dominant players um going not only going international but also have been working relentlessly on cutting down its pricing to match beef um, for those who have tasted it it does taste um, some would say eerily similar to beef, I would say. It's like, wow, I can't believe this tastes like beef. Um, and uh, so that that's a little bit on Impossible. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the taste. Um, Ashton, do you want to talk about Beyond? Um, okay, so Beyond Meat was the brainchild of Ethan Brown. He was an animal lover since childhood, but he worked actually in the clean tech industry for about a decade um, he was always interested in social impact and sustainability, and he was really inspired by the disconnect he saw between people's outwards intentions and their food consumption behaviors. So he started out with an idea to make a plant-based McDonald's. So he did a ton of solar research. He began to think of meat as a composition, not the source where it came from. And if meat is just a composition of different food components, why can't meat be made from plants? 
So he found two professors at the University of Missouri who were working on developing plant-based meats, and that was the beginning of his journey. So currently, Beyond Meat has two U.S. production facilities in Missouri, an R&D lab in California, and is building factories in Shanghai. They're extremely research-focused and always iterating. Um, they went public in 2019, and they've only grown since then. They've scored some key partnerships with mega giants like Taco Bell, McDonald's, and Pepsi. Yeah, that's great. Nice. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You know what's funny is that both of them are named um, Brown. I was like, thinking the yeah. same. Oh, whoa. Yeah, conspiracy, huh? Oh, that's so weird. That's weird. Uh, hamburgers, not created by someone named Brown, but popularized by White Castle. Uh, oh, really? In, in, yeah. That was the uh, the industrialization of hamburgers. Um, they were they were credited for developing the hamburger sandwich, or at least at scale making the hamburger sandwich. Um but I guess we're talking about ground beef, which has been around for quite some time as just the cuts of beef that people don't want to eat as whatever's left over from uh, animal slaughtering that is not a formed piece uh, of the cow. So if you if you if it does if it can't be made into like a T-bone shape or like a, uh, any of the cuts that we know, it gets ground up and turned into a hamburger. Uh, there were nearly 50 billion hamburgers, or there are nearly 50 billion hamburgers sold per year, uh, and they're pretty they're pretty affordable because they're the non-prime uh, amounts of beef. So, it's it's a gigantic industry that they're disrupt here uh, through Impossible Foods and beyond. Can they can they do it? Beef is made, as I kind of just described, by taking the non-choice cuts of uh, animals and then grinding them up, sort of into uh, well, you know ground beef. People buy it at the store. But you grind it up till it's all homogenous, uh, and then you can form it into patties, and then you cook them. But if you're using plants, it's way different. So why don't we start uh, with Impossible Adam? Yeah, and you know, I think a little bit of disclaimer is both of them are relatively the same, and most competitors like, let's say, Light Life or um, Incognito use kind of the same process. Uh, it's generally through... Uh, plant-based extrusion, so you're changing uh, a globular plant-based protein into uh, a kind of a more elastic fibrous protein, um, so it can be more bouncy and meat-like, um, and then you add, you know, flavors, fats, uh, pretty much the same composition of, of macromolecules as ground beef, and through some interesting technologies, you can create something very similar uh, taste-wise through that. Impossible is also using extrusion. Um, how do they add the heme into it? At what stage? Is it like the mixing stage after extrusion? Um, I don't think so. You know, the, the thing with extrusion is that it's high heat, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's high heat, high shear. What happens when you put blood in high heat, high shear? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it curdles, right? You know, yeah, blood's yeah. a I don't, I don't know if you guys ever seen blood on a frying pan, whether it's your own or from a knife oh. cut or, um, or from beef. But you know, same thing. It turns, it, it changes, it changes color. Like an egg. Yeah, like an egg. Coagulates. Right, coagulates. Yeah. Yeah, all the proteins denature and then they all aggregate together. Yeah. So we can always infer that they don't, but you know, who knows? Who knows? A lot of trade secrets happen in the industry, right. and um, that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I think for Beyond, they're doing something really similar, which is they create a texturized vegetable protein through extrusion and then mix a ton of stuff in it. So they add fats, minerals, colorants, and um, I guess the colorant for Beyond is different. I think they use beets and then different flavors and carbohydrates. So that all together 
mimics the look, the flavor, and the texture of the meat. So what I think is different from Beyond is how they're actually getting the meaty flavor. Because, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, that's from the heme. Is that only the heme in Impossible? So Impossible, uh, if you look at their label, actually, actually you have it right here. So I could be wrong, but uh, if you look at their label, um, they have natural flavors um, Mm -hmm. in it. And they also have uh, soy leg hemoglobin, which is um, basically a soy derivative of of hemoglobin. And so... From what we can infer on the label, they use natural flavors with the heme that they use. Again, a, a food scientist can hack many things with the ingredient deck and the nutrition fact. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think what Beyond Meat says they're doing is they're mimicking traditional meat's flavor by isolating molecules from meat that make it taste like meat. Apparently, there's over a, a thousand. Mm. And then they find those molecules in plants. Yeah, and I think um, I'm sure you guys have worked with a lot of people called flavor flavor houses, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of them do do a lot of research on this type of stuff, and um, they have to create flavors that don't come from animals, uh, and they they put a lot of work into making these meaty and savory flavors out of almost nothing, of just simple ma- uh, molecules. I I do want to jump into like taste nutrition and all this stuff, but but before we do it, there are some questions that. Um, I want to put to the the panel here uh, now that we know sort of how these are made a little bit of history can we this is just something that always uh, grinds my gears Uh, can we define processed and how do we feel about it is it bad people will say oh I don't want to eat processed foods Um, I would I would imagine the definition of any of the things that we just discussed are processed foods whether it is whether it's ground beef or or the plant-based burgers can can you what what do people think about this (laughs) Hmm. Does so, anyone have opinions? I mean, I, I have a lot of opinions. I think the yes. big thing is um, everyone has their own definition of process. I think that's 100% yeah. true. Uh, someone smart once said, uh, since everyone eats, everyone thinks they're an expert. And, you know, that's something that we have to, most people have to live with in the food industry. Like, what's great, though, is that we have so many different choices when it comes to eating our food. And, um, you know, if you don't want to eat, quote, processed food like ground beef or Impossible or Beyond, well, you can eat black beans, you can eat a salad, um, you can eat tofu if you consider that process or not. Um, mm. And I think that's, that is always something I push is that we have a lot of options on where to get your plant-based proteins. This does serve a certain segment of why we choose this over beef or why we choose Impossible Beyond over beef. Um, but it is in the crowd that cares more about technology than than naturalness, so to say. Yeah, I think both Jason and I also have a lot of opinions about processed Every food scientist does, don't worry. (laughs) You know, processed food is anything that undergoes a process. So if you slice an apple at home, you're processing it in a way. And it just has this connotation that it's bad for you. And there definitely was a period of time where there was a lot of processed food that were bad for you. I think, you know, TV dinners when they first came out, they're just really high sodium, low fiber, low nutrient density. But I don't think that's the case now because I think processing can be used to add a lot of value. Look at Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Like they're producing these processing plant-based meats, but... Um, I think what they're doing is pretty cool. And we're not going to feed the world with fresh local whole foods from your local farmer's market. So I think it's about processing with intention and just making sure you're doing it for the right purpose. I like yeah. that a lot, processing with intention. Yeah, I, I, 
I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I think it's it's just hard to get the message to everyone. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot of people who eat meat. There's a lot of people who just eat meat for every single meal. We've done our research at, at Better Meat Co., for instance. Um, they can't live without meat, in a sense. And, you know, these are people from Kansas. And the people who buy Impossible and Beyond generally are higher income. Um, they, they're more coastal. And they, they have values that care about sustainability. Um, so... You know, it's always interesting to segment people of their values uh, about, um, okay, well, yeah, your aunt might not want to buy this processed food stuff. Uh, maybe the label scares them. Maybe the nutrition scares them. Um, and there are some people who, you know, okay, then there's plenty of other options you can choose. Um, you don't have to eat this. I, I You know, it, it's uh, it's always something that always uh, um, makes me curious is um, – Okay, you don't have to eat this. What what do you eat? And I think when when we talk with people about what they eat on a regular basis, we can understand a little bit more about what their values are. Uh, let's talk about better for you. I, we keep going to Adam because he's our guest, our resident uh, new expert. Adam, can we talk about GMOs? Uh, I think uh, genetically modified organisms. I'm pretty sure uh, Impossible Foods uses them. I'm almost certain that if you go on the website of Beyond Meat. Uh, they're like, no, 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 we're GMO-free. It's a little different message. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they? Are they safe? Should people be concerned? Yeah, so there's a, there's a really good book I always recommend. Um, any any science, not skeptic, but but um, explorer, I, I'd say that. So, um, And it's called The Wizard and the Prophet, which is a very interesting book about two different sides of how we view solutions to save the world. So you have the prophet who uh, forecasts I don't want to say doom, but but in, in that sense, like we need to save our resources, we need to conserve, we need to cut back, we need to go back to a natural state, and then you have the wizard who um, who believes in technology will solve all the world's problems. Uh, I think the book does a great job taking both sides as uh, just being fair to both sides. So he does right. say pros on both of them. Example: GMOs is a big one, um, and cons which is uh you know one child policy for profit or um or fracking for for wizard Mm. type logic um and you know those two sides are very hard to they're just so different and they're just so out there but i do believe like that is kind of the core thesis of beyond versus impossible in a sense Mm. um in that beyond wants to do like a non-gmo product they want to use, you know, they don't want to use soy, for instance. Uh, that's a big one as well. Uh, they use pea protein instead of soy. Mm-hmm. Uh, impossible, different story. They use uh, a GMO project, a product, a microbe that creates this soy like hemoglobin. And mm-hmm. they also use soy protein. Um, so you just have a, a variety of, you just have different, I think we're going to circle it back because I always like to do this, um, circle it back to values between what these products represent to mm. a certain consumer. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Impossible chooses soy because pea definitely is a great alternative. Do you know why they made that choice? Um, most likely taste. Uh, I don't know if you ever mm. played with pea protein, uh-huh. but it doesn't it taste bad. very good. Yeah, it, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy and and uh, formulation to really yeah. hide that. And the the keyword is hide that. So I and and here's an interesting fact about like these types of plant proteins is that. 
Soy has had 30 years to develop into what it is today. Pea protein mm-hmm. maybe has around 10 years of, of R and, intense R&D work. Mm-hmm. Um, and now since they're both getting the spotlight, they are getting uh, a lot more attention in solving these issues. But, I mean, this goes down to the breeding of the crop. It goes down to right. processing. It goes down to isolating the proteins. Um, it goes down to a lot of different things when it comes to uh, this. But overall, it has to do with taste and how you can solve that taste problem so that's a great segue into taste uh so different types of proteins different types of added flavors let's talk about how these things tasted uh who wants to go first uh about do we taste it beyond meat we tried impossible maybe some ground beef what are we what are we thinking here um, i'll go first yeah okay. you go first <laughs> all right uh okay they were all super different it's yeah. quite i thought it was all pretty interesting impossible and the ground beef it is straight up a meat add-on. It tastes it tastes the same. Mm-hmm. I even it even like cooks the same. Like the char is the, is right. I was shocked. Like they don't even need to call it. they can just call themselves a regular hamburger. Like I was really I think they really nailed it. Like perfect. The beyond does not taste like meat per se, but it has like a more flavor, I guess. I thought it was really good. Um so like I would eat the beyond by itself, but I didn't think it tasted like meat. I thought it was like its own thing. I guess maybe it's beyond meat, right? It's like definitely, to me, it was not meat or meat analog. It was beyond that, which I liked. Uh, the other uh, Impossible was like straight up a burger. I don't know what do people think. Yeah, I think I feel the same. To me, beef and Impossible are almost indistinguishable. There's a little bit for texture. And especially if you buy Impossible just as like the ground beef not formed in a patty, it's so loose and it doesn't That's really have too. that binding that beef has. So you mm-hmm, have to add, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some egg and some breadcrumbs and stuff like that. Um, but on taste, I mean, just amazing. And for the Beyond, which actually earlier today for the first time, um, it, you're right, it doesn't taste exactly like meat. It tastes like meat-ish, but it's still really, really good. Um, it browned really nicely, which I yeah. was very impressed by. Um, it just doesn't have that unctuousness and that intense umami, especially like the juiciness, I guess, of ground beef. Um, but it, it was really nice. I liked it a lot. Yeah, so uh, I follow these companies a lot, and I've tried you know, not only their their current forms but their version ones as well <laughs> uh, which you know impossible to use wheat gluten actually for their version one and wow. um, yeah gluten. right that's a we don't say move. gluten on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> only for past experiments yeah. right because um, yeah, yeah. you don't want to hide out history you don't want to black, black out history it's a good positive um, control so with impossible they did use gluten and obviously they took it out for you know for a lot of reasons yeah mm-hmm. um and it wasn't performing as well as it is now, so there's there's a proof point in that. Um, but yeah, they're, they, I think what is always amazing about these two products is that they can evolve faster and faster. They can, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Brown from Impossible, is a Pat, yeah, Pat Brown, um, has always stated like, okay, um, we can evolve this product faster than a cow, right? Like a cow, it's right. gonna be very hard to evolve into something like this. So. Not only can you make these products taste better, potentially, but you can also make them healthier, um, cost cheaper. So there's a lot of like interesting upsides when it comes to evolving products from its original competitor. Um, and But I digress. Uh, the taste, I think they're both really good products. I do agree with you guys that Beyond is meaty. Um, it tastes like a different animal, in my opinion. And uh, I, I like it. I, I like both of them. 
Um, I do think Impossible's... Actually, both are, are pretty salty, in my opinion. Uh, or, mm. or they leave a salty... Uh, I have to drink a lot of water when I eat them. Um, beef is more springier, uh, as you've described before. Um, just just a more springier, um, pretty darn good product. Um, but I think if you... Especially if you eat, like it in a stew or, or in any kind of flavored form, it's almost indistinguishable. And mm. I don't think people mind. That's a good point. I yeah. feel like if you did it in like a taco, you definitely mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, I think like, what, what, what's a product? Um, Carl's Jr. had the taco? Someone had the taco. Del Taco had the taco with Beyond. Um, and I think Qdoba had it with Impossible. Um, so they've tried different formats before, and now they're expanding to Asia, which is interesting, because Asia has a lot of different meat products. Um, they also have a lot of products that they make vegetables with meat um, that are covered in a lot of flavor. Yeah, they're great uh, flavor vehicles. That's the kind of the point. Uh, okay, so we did taste. Now, nutrition, which is ostensibly the point of this podcast. Um, what What do we think? How do they How do they compare? So comparing all these things together, it's very convenient because a burger size is 113 grams, which is like you don't have to do any uh, any calculation. Um, they're really broadly the same. It is it's pretty shocking. We, we'll highlight some of the differences, but they're broadly the same nutrition wise. Uh, they all have about 250 calories. They all have about 15, 16, 17 grams of fat. Now the source of fat, we'll talk about in a second. That's different. Um, there's some differences in sodium, and obviously. Beef has cholesterol, which we're going to talk about, um, but plants don't generally have plants don't have cholesterol. Um, there is a slight difference in the amount of fiber and carbs, but like it's very minimal. Um, the plant-based burgers obviously have carbs, and the uh, the beef burger does not have carbs because it's beef. Um, protein broadly similar. They're all uh, they all have roughly twenty grams of protein. Now that protein is different too, so we can talk about that. But gosh, they are. They are pretty much the same. Yeah, I was shocked. And then I thought that they were so similar. And then I thought, wait, I should not be shocked because these were designed <laughs> specifically to be the plant-based version of beef. But I, it was pretty amazing how similar those macros are. Yeah, and I think the intent for a lot of these products is to make it not only like beef, that was like the first version, but um, improve over time. And so mm-hmm. a lot of them are a little bit healthier, depending on your yeah. definition of healthier yeah. in a macro perspective, right? Um, macromolecule perspective than beef. And I think that uh, they are trying almost every iteration to make it more healthier. I think Beyond just launched, uh, or they, were, they announced that they are making a burger with less saturated fat, for instance, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, beef needs to make it taste really good. Um, so I think first they're taking a model that everyone is okay with and understands. And then I think they're slowly making it you know, a little bit less fat or a little bit less sodium or or, mm-hmm. or more protein, for instance. Yeah, the sodiums are a little higher. Um, that's the major difference that I see. Like Impossible and Beyond both have around 360 megs. Uh, and then the beef that I that I bought only had uh, like 75. Yeah, so but, you, but you sought your but... beef, right? Yeah, of course. But no one ever like challenge. calculates how much salt they put on their beef. Sure, cr- ton. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gonna equ- it's gonna equivalent, um, equal. So yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, any any more on the nutrition? They're they're really about the same. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting when I was looking on Beyond's website. They did a 
clinical research trial with Stanford. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Um, they did a study that found that people that were consuming their meat versus regular meat, it decreased... Oh, wait, sorry. It improved several cardiovascular disease factors. So I thought that was kind of interesting because we're seeing, you know, kind of, Adam, like you mentioned, these hints of starting to be better for you Mm -hmm. um, after already kind of going into the we're same as beef. And now it's kind of, oh, we're a little bit better. So I thought that was really cool. They actually linked to it on their website, the paper they published. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz about a plant based diet, for instance. And mm-hmm. um, not only, and most people buy these types of products for health reasons. Um, sustainability, uh, taste is probably the most important. Health is the second most important. And sustainability is so- somehow ranked a bit lower by quite a bit. Uh, and I think it's always interesting to understand why people buy things. Generally, it's selfish reasons. Um, and it's, it, it, it does take a lot more work to have someone buy something for the planet. Um, some people do, of course, but most people, it's either a, a, a taste or a health or, or a price situation. Taste, price, and convenience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah. the how I built this episode with Ethan Brown. <laughs> he was saying that, you know, he was in clean tech and they're all sitting and trying to figure out how to improve the efficiency of a lithium battery by 1%. And then they all go and have a steak dinner. And he was just yep. like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> thought that was funny. Yeah, it's it's that's like uh, someone taking a private jet to a climate change conference. Right. So, oh, you know. that's perfect. You got to see out there. I want to talk very, I want to briefly do this digression on, on fat because we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um Plant-based beef has cholesterol, which when I grew up, I feel like I heard cholesterol was like very bad. Um, but there's like, because it's associated or it was purported to be associated with cardiovascular disease, which is like one of the leading causes of death in the United States. Uh, that's like hardening of the arteries. You've got plaques, which have uh, inflammatory um, immune cells. It has fibrous tissue and it's got cholesterol in it. Uh, in your arteries, so the hardening of arteries. Eventually, these can break off, cause aneurysms and stroke uh, and blockages, and it's all, it's all very bad. So you can get cholesterol from eating cholesterol, and also your liver makes cholesterol because it's, like, really important um, for signaling and, and in your cells. So the hypothesis was if you just eat more, you're going to have more circulating in your, in your body. But I don't know. I was reading a review in preparation for this, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like your liver makes less if you eat more. Um, and really what winds up happening, they think, is cholesterol is usually associated with a lot of saturated fat, just like we were saying. And if you eat more saturated fat, that's kind of bad news. So how do we reduce the amount of saturated fat? That's what's associated with atherosclerosis. Um, now, I, so there's impossible and beyond both use coconut fat or coconut oil, which I believe is their source of saturated fat and how they're getting like the juiciness. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not aware if that's healthier or not healthier than animal saturated fat. I'm assuming it is, but I don't know. Does anyone know the answer to that? Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not a nutritionist. And yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, to, yeah, nutritionists also have different points of view on that sure. uh, from like, who I've talked to. Um, it's a very interesting thing that I don't think has had much research involved in that. I think people are still on the fence on cholesterol, right? I think. You know, there's a study about cholesterol being worse than smoking, and then apparently this professor is kind of insane. Uh-huh. Um, so, so like, it's always it's always interesting what gets the headlines um, to that. I think there is going to be more data on, especially as this plant-based meat thing grows, um, 
that we will see the results on that. But for me, it's too early to tell. Well, I think we have smart people that listen to this podcast. Maybe you can uh, write us in and, and let us know, and we'll certainly do some research afterwards uh, and try to figure that out. I know that all the keto people probably have opinions on this and can tell us about all the different types of fat and what they're doing and what's considered good and bad. I know that polyunsaturated fats are good, but different types of saturated fat, whether they're uh, of animal or plant origin, I'm unsure about. Um, yeah, so, okay, so we have an idea of nutrition, taste, uh, generally ingredients, we should talk about price because if you want to get the world to eat more plant-based beef, um, you've got, you're competing with a scaled up organization that's making all of this, uh, cattle beef. So the price per pound of each of these beyond meat, uh, was nine sixty-eight. impossible was eight sixty-two, And then the, and then the store brand beef was three fifty-seven, which is like, significantly less uh, more than half uh half cheaper Jeez. so half cheaper is that how do you say that 50 more than half cheaper. more than 50 percent cheaper uh so there's huge huge discrepancies in price um anyone want to talk we'll talk to that at all but that that is a big difference but even if they're all the same the prices uh, might be a barrier yeah i'm not sure i know that i think i read somewhere uh, somewhere in 2017 that beyond was working still to scale and get better margins but i mean four years later and it seems like it's still not quite there so i think they're still working on that yeah so this has always been it was baffling like if you want to see beef prices if you think those are cheap like chicken prices like it's less than a dollar but <laughs> mm-hmm. um like especially in mass scale which we had to work mm-hmm. on at better meat co for a b2b operation um so, you know, the issue with meat is that it's subsidized and it's also huge reductions. So they have mm-hmm. built a very, very efficient, uh, credit to them, I guess, uh, of, of slaughterhouses that create a lot of product um, in very centralized locations and a master supply chain that really um, divvies it all out. What's also interesting is that, you know, there's technically one input, um, you know, animal to meat mm-hmm. versus a plant-based product, which has what... 15 inputs maybe like like if you look at our slides that we use to prefer this for the ingredients yeah there's yeah. one of them is there's two giant lists and then one is just 100 percent beef yeah and you know like you guys create products and you guys understand that you have different ingredients they all have different mlqs they all have different processings they all have different yeah. um you know supply chains they all have different shelf life so these are all huge factors of and it also keeps on changing, so that that's mm-hmm. also another huge factor um, when it comes to pricing these types of things. So, um, you know, we have to just keep in mind that these, like Beyond Impossible, are new companies. They're selling a premium product um, that is, and they have to be expensive for that reason. While beef is, or any meat, honestly, is a super efficient system. You know. Mm-hmm. People have been slaughtering animals for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, and it's just going to take a while. I think there are situations are they sustainable debatable um because they're they are using a lot of the money they're getting from outside sources to lower the price um but i think that is uh something that's always interesting when it comes to uh looking at a product and understanding its price dynamics okay do we want to talk anything more about the ingredients ashen do you want to so they're the big i I, I think the big difference in proteins, we, which we touched on a little bit earlier, uh, is the difference between soy and plant and uh, mm-hmm. pea protein. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that, Ashton? I guess just soy and pea protein are both 
considered complete um, sources of protein. So your body has 20 amino acids that it uses, um, and those are divided into essential and non-essential. So for the non-essential, your body can make them by its own. And then for essential, you need to attain those through your diet. So animal protein is a complete protein because it contains all those essential amino acids. And not all plant proteins do, but pea protein and soy protein do. And those are the main proteins in um, Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers. So those are very targeted choices they made. And I think like Adam talked earlier, they both have their you know pros and cons. Um, yeah, and I know Beyond adds brown rice protein because that is also a complete protein and it makes it so the burger, I think it puts it just at the edge where it has all the amino acids that are required. Hmm. I think they call it optimum health. What that means, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, there's an interesting um, ratio that people use in the industry. I used to work in the health and wellness industry doing bars and shakes, and mm. we use the word PDCAS, P-D-A-C-A-A-S. Um, and generally, meat is a one, a ratio of one. Soy is maybe 0.9. Mm -hmm. um, Reese, the, at least the data I've seen, it may, maybe it's improved a lot. Um, P was like a 0.8. Uh, wheat gluten, which you guys hate, uh, has like a 0.3. So, um, you know, the, uh, from what I understand, you need rice and pea combined to make a one PD cast because it, it, it's oh, a mixture of amino acids or, or something. Right. That's um, cool. Yeah. So it's, you know, like, but also keep in mind, I think, I believe this is a hunch. I don't know. I don't have any scientific paper like in the back of my pocket. Um, but I think soy was bred to have a PD cast of one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, wheat gluten is like any of these special proteins doing a special job, like making a network, are going to have like overemphasize some lysines or some whatevers to make mm -hmm. a roll or to make make a uh, make a disulfide bond, whatever whatever it is. So that make, that makes sense. Like yeah. when you say pea protein in general, the all the broad, I would imagine that it's pretty close. Yeah, it's um, it's it. You know, a lot of people argue how important it is in a consumer point of view. Um, as scientists, we do scrutinize it a little bit as saying, oh, does this have enough protein? Is it the right type of protein? Is it the right quality of protein? Like, there, there's all, it, it's still a very unexplored field in terms of understanding what is healthy, what is really healthy in terms of, and how do we communicate that with the consumer? Oh, how do you communicate that with the consumer? Is it, yeah, again, how do you another, communicate PDCast to the consumer? That's really hard to do. It's super yeah, hard to do. Everyone just says, Plant proteins are not real proteins. You got to use meat. Well, like maybe, but they're probably extraordinarily close, and it probably doesn't matter. We've kind of talked about everything at this point. Is there any any other final thoughts before, and then we'll conclude and say what do we think is better for you? Final thought thoughts, things we want to make sure that we talk about um, that we didn't touch in any of these questions. I was just thinking. I I am very impressed that Beyond Meat was able to mask the flavor of pea protein because <laughs> that stuff tastes bad, and that burger tasted really good. Oh yeah. Yeah, they, they spend a lot of, most people spend a ton of time masking pea protein. Some don't oh, actually gosh. succeed on it. Um, so props to Beyond Meat's relentless team for for uh, for really making that flavor consumption. I think it's a work of art. I think a lot of food is art, so especially CPG food. I think uh, it's beautiful to see a, a cool product on the shelf that, that uh, you can tell the scientists really care. Yeah. I could not agree more. Okay, so we, we talked nutrition. We did some history. We did some... Uh, ingredients we broadly covered all of these these 
um, meets and meet analogs. So what is the answer? Are impo is impossible beyond? Are they better for you than cow uh, beef? What do we think? Or is any of them better than the other? Anyone want to make a want to put a stake in the ground and make a conclusion here? Yeah, I mean, you're gonna hate this answer. It's called the defense, which every scientist uses ever. Um, yeah, it depends. Um, I think the, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's um, I think depending on your values that you have as a person, they are better. I think the the best thing I can say though is that they will get better and better, and that's a very powerful statement. That these products have the ability to be better than beef. We just have to put our, you know, we just have to put our vote with our dollars. Um, we just have to understand, okay, is this better for me health-wise? Is it better for me in a cost-wise? Is this better for me in a sustainability situation? Um, luckily, these products had the potential to do that. Great. Ashton, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I would say marginally, yes. So there's just a couple of the macros that I thought, hmm, that's a little bit better. I think there was a little bit of fiber, I forget. And there might have been less saturated fat but just in beyond but i think marginally yes and there's you know the whispers of being better for you <laughs> based on that clinical trial that beyond did um undeniably better for the planet um but these aren't going to make you lose weight you shouldn't eat every day um but on the whole i think we're moving in a really good direction with this yeah i agree i think they are uh, slightly better for you but with the ability to improve. And that's, uh, that's what matters. So thank you everyone for listening. That concludes Better For You, our episode on plant-based meats. If you don't agree and you think the meats are indeed better for you, the plant-based ones or the cattle, please come on the podcast, argue with us. Uh, let us know why you think one is better than the other. All right, thank you everyone. Talk soon.